What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, Jack Vita. We are back for the first time in over three weeks. I was out of town for a while. Uh, made a trip out to Arizona. It was very fun, very warm, got a lot of sunshine, but we're back to talk plenty of football. It's February 1st, my uh, half birthday, actually. I'm now 27 and a half, and uh, here to celebrate with me is a man who's been on this show now six times over the past nine months. Uh, very impressive. And he crushed it back on The Bachelorette a few years ago. But he's becoming more than The Bachelorette guy. He is a football guy. He's a sports guy. And we welcome Garrett Powell back to the Jack Vita Show. Welcome back, Garrett. Good to be back, man. Thanks for having me again. How was that intro? That was pretty good. It was pretty sporty. It's... uh. <laughs> It's crazy to think that that show was a few years ago, but I mean, it's true, man. Time moves on. Becoming a has-been, which I kind of yeah. like. Well, it's funny because I feel like um, that show was a few years ago, so it probably still feels fresh. But our friendship, like this is the thing I've noticed with these cyber friendships when you have someone on your podcast several times. It feels like we've known each other for years now, Garrett. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It does feel that way. It's Isn't that uh, weird? Weird. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's it's crazy, man. But I, I didn't realize I'd been on your show six times. It's crazy, too. I thought I was like, wait, what, what was it, three, four? And I was like, damn, <laughs> I guess it has been six. Yeah, this is the uh, the fourth, like, full pod. And then you called in for two of the playoff, like, when you were pumped That's about right. the Braves. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. My <laughs> Braves, baby. Yeah. And, of course, we must uh, mention, you call this spot on the national championship. With uh, we we put the reel out on Instagram. I don't do TikTok because I don't think anyone should be on TikTok. Uh, it doesn't seem safe to me, so I don't do TikTok. But I put up the Instagram reel. It was from October nineteenth or something like that. And Garrett is saying, "Here's my prediction: Georgia is going to lose to Alabama in the SEC championship game." Alabama's going to be number one. Georgia's going to be number three. They're going to play each other in the national championship, and Georgia's going to win the Natty. And that's exactly what happened. So we got to give you props after you also called that the uh, the Braves would make it to the World Series when they were in third place, maybe fourth place back in mid June. Yeah, and I almost had the Bucks too, man. I uh, the Bucks <laughs> were down big, and I uh, texted you at halftime. I think they were down what twenty. Uh, they were down twenty-seven points. Uh, I don't know something. Like I think that. it was 21, 20, 21 points. something like that. Yeah, and so it reminded me of the uh, Iron Bowl, twenty ten Iron Bowl with Cam Newton, where Auburn was down twenty-seven zero at halftime, and they came back and won. And so I was like, man, this this could be another call. And they almost had it, dude, until the very end. But um, <laughs> yeah, almost three for three for twenty twenty-one. Yeah, that was pretty – well, it's 2022 now, so maybe you're 0 for 1 in That's 2022. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so I, I'm curious to see what kind of bold predictions you just throw out at me tonight, if there are any. But as we know about the bold predictions with Garrett, there's no prompt for it. He just he just, uh, he just just brings it up. He freestyles, and I'm sure we'll cross that bridge at some point. That's right. And just feel it, man. Just feel it. Okay, so Garrett is a – oh, and by the way, if you guys enjoy the show, make sure you subscribe to the Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever it is that you get your podcasts. 
We're going to be back next week. I, I think we're going to have a pretty special guest. There's a former NFL player that I will not reveal his name. Uh, he has not been on this show yet, um, but I've been in talks with him about potentially having him on next week, but I'm not going to uh, put it out there in case it ends up not happening. I don't want this kind gentleman getting hate tweets, although I know the listeners would never do that. Uh, but make sure you guys are all subscribed so you don't miss out on any of the action and follow along at Jack Vita Show and on Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram too, for that matter. Okay, so Garrett is a Tampa Bay Bucks fan. He's been a Bucks fan since he was a child. And I texted him. We got some breaking news on Saturday afternoon. It said uh, Jeff Darlington and Adam Schefter both reporting that Tom Brady intends to retire. And then shortly, a couple hours after that, we find out, okay, now his dad's saying that he hasn't made a decision. And I was skeptical the whole time. So, but nevertheless, I'm like, okay, this is, this is big news. I need Garrett here. I need Jordan Kimball here. So I texted both these guys. We had a little group text going and uh, Jordan, I don't think Jordan's going to show up. He hasn't, t- he hasn't said that he will not show up, but I don't think Jordan's going to pop in on this zoom call tonight. Do you? <laughs> no, I don't think so, man. Um, I think it's just us two for now, but that's cool. <laughs> but he's a big Bucks fan. I'm sure he'll have come on at some point, share his thoughts. Uh, but Garrett, um, I hear the, the news broke today. Tom put it out there on Instagram. He is in fact done before we talk, Tom, going back to Saturday and kind of everything that was unfolding over the past few days. Did you think that this was actually it? Did you think, you know what? He's got another year in him. He's not, this isn't real. What, what was your read on this situation? I didn't think it was it. I thought I thought kind of he wanted to go in, until he was fifty. To be honest, I think he's got that mentality that he can do it. Um, and ultimately, I don't think he retired because he doesn't think he can no longer play. I just think he doesn't want to do it anymore. Um, and you know, they uh, I forgot which announcer it was, but they were talking about Tom Brady had a quote when earlier in the season when he was asked about. Um, his status after this year. And he said something like, well, you'd love to go out on top, um, it, you know, but it just doesn't look like that. We're going to do that this year. And then it's like, whoa, okay, this guy's been thinking about it for a while. And I don't know, man, like this year compared to last year, I think you can see a distinct difference in the guy's body language. Now that we know he's retired. I mean, obviously we didn't know this leading up to it, but he just, he didn't really see that fire. Didn't really see that enthusiasm like he saw last year too. Um, so I don't know. In his statement too, he says that he was very, you know, he wants to be able to give everyone deserves a leader that is giving everything to the game. And he's not capable of doing that. And, you know, just got to think after 22 years of doing something like that, you know, how much of his heart was really in it. And maybe that's the reason why not so much because he physically couldn't do it. I was really shocked because I truly thought, even when I heard that information on Saturday, the initial report, it's just, I think part of it is my memory of the NFL does not extend before Tom Brady. I mean, the first Super Bowl that I remember sitting down and watching, and I mean really watching, because I remember the year before that, Baltimore just 
kicked the crap out of the Giants, and people just kind of tuned out of that game. At least I did. I was like five years old, six years old. <laughs> and then uh, in 2001, I guess it was actually 2002, in February 2002, that Rams Patriots Super Bowl. And I think the Rams were like 14 point favorites in that game, the greatest show on turf. And I, I just remember that being the first just gigantic football game, college, NFL just a championship game that I remember watching vividly. And that was, that was Brady's first one. That was his second year in the league. He didn't play his first year in the league, but the second year in the league, he came in, Drew Bledsoe gets hurt. We all know the story. I don't have a memory of the NFL before Tom Brady. I mean, it's been 20 years since then. So it's hard for me to picture this sport existing without him. And I know that sounds kind of crazy, but it's just, kind of like the way that I've conceptualized time. Yeah. It's on, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger too. I mean, you got, uh, I saw a post today where, I mean, you have Drew Brees is gone. Rivers is gone. Roethlisberger is gone. Brady's gone. Obviously Peyton Manning and Eli, they've been gone for years now, but it's that old regime of quarterback. The old style of quarterback is now completely gone. And, um, you know, it reminds me of baseball when you had, you know, the 90s and early 2000s was some of the best era in baseball, in my opinion, because you had players that stuck with teams their whole career. And you're not just attracted to players, you're attracted to teams. And it's a more uh, natural fan base from that. Well, football is kind of the old school way of playing football is the way I grew up watching. Um, kind of a pro style quarterback. Not, I mean, I love watching the spread. I'm just saying it's a different perspective on the game. And that's how I grew up watching it too. And it's it's kind of weird to see all those people gone from the game. And, uh, you know, Brady was really the last one. I mean, I think that the pocket passers, I, I think that it's being undervalued in some degree because I think everyone's kind of like they see a guy, he's got the legs. And I think we're going to find out pretty soon how long can Lamar Jackson play the way they did. Because RG3 couldn't play the way he did for too long. I mean, that, uh, I mean, Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford, there are some traditional kind of pocket passers. I think, I think we're going to still see that. But in terms of like those guys from that era, like those were the quarterback stars. Ben Roethlisberger is probably the biggest reason that I attached myself to the Steelers at a young age. I mean, him and Troy Polamalu, and he's done. You mentioned Breeze. He's done. It's it, who knows what Rogers, how many years is Rogers going to keep playing? Rogers talked yeah. about retiring a year ago. Like I do, I do think that this is a huge moment in the NFL be, for a number of reasons, but one of them is kind of now it's like, all right, we're entering into a new era and obviously new era of quarterback in terms of how they play for sure. But also time to kind of brand some new stars. And they've been branding them already. You've got Patrick Mahomes and uh, some of the ones we saw this past weekend, Joe Burrow. Justin Herbert is a guy that is an under-25 guy with a really high ceiling. And, of course, Josh Allen. Um, And, I mean, I would – you know what? I will say this, not to get us too far off the rails. I would buy up my Trevor Lawrence stock right now if I can buy low on Trevor Lawrence. Like Trevor Lawrence, there people are gonna, people are seem to be jumping off the Trevor Lawrence train pretty early. Yeah, um, 
I think what you said, it's, it's, it's not necessarily that the pocket passer is no longer, you know, a, a legit spot in the game, but the pocket passer has evolved tremendously in this yeah. new era. Like even Matthew yeah. Stafford, who's a pocket passer. I mean, you look at him, he is still a very mobile athlete. You look at both Mannings, Brady, Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, they weren't mobile at all. And it just shows you how much even that type of, not just the quarterback, but the pocket passer quarterback, really it used to be you're either a spread guy or you're a pocket passer guy. And now it's like they both almost are kind of meshing into the same type of quarterback. And that's what the old regime kind of represented was. And one of the reasons why, you know, I think Rivers, Brady, Roethlisberger, all those guys were so great is because they didn't have their legs to rely on. So they were truly, truly all about reads. And again, you don't see quarterbacks, you know, naturally QBs are leaders on the field, but you don't see quarterbacks take command of the field like you did Brady, uh, Peyton Manning, you know, like calling four audibles before the ball snapped, stuff like that, calling their own plays. I mean, you see it, of course, it's the NFL, but you don't quite see on the level that those guys brought it to. Um, so that's going to be weird. But, um, yeah, I think Trevor Lawrence, man, I think he's going to get traded for a first-round pick eventually. Really? I think so. Yeah, I think no, he's – I think bull, That's a bold prediction right there. I think so. I think he's <laughs> going to get traded eventually. He's not He's he's not going to work out in Jacksonville. He's going to get traded later on in his career, and he's going to explode in a new system. That's why I think – and I say he's not going to do good in Jacksonville. He will. You know, I think having Urban Meyer as a head coach didn't really help anybody there. Um, but it didn't the roster didn't, it didn't matter who was coaching that team. We saw once they fired yeah, Urban. Yeah, it's just I, I just think I think he's going to get traded later on down the line in a rebuilding effort, and he's going to explode on a different team. So, like, you're kind of seeing like a Matthew Stafford type of trajectory for him. Like, I, I don't, I wouldn't say that much. Um, Man, I would say, uh, like he's not. You're not seeing Trevor play for the Jaguars for 12 years, and then, I mean, obviously Stafford is a beast. Like you and I both love Stafford. I I think mm -hmm. you do, right? Yeah, yeah. I do. Yeah. Very underrated, but it's just basically the general idea of like, okay, a guy who is an elite talent who is stuck on a crummy organization. And then he's going to leave the Jaguars and is going to spread his wings. That's what you're saying. I see more so of it. Yeah. Kind of like a Teddy Bridgewater. So not that he's going to be hall of fame, but he's going to be, he's got his career. People are going to look back on his career when he's done and, and look favorably for the teams that he was on after the Jaguars because of the system that he's in. That's what I think at least. Um, yeah. More of, I want to go. I mean, I just think, I don't think he right now in his career he's got the talent to be compared to Matthew Stafford. Um, I think Matthew Stafford is the most underrated, not just quarterback, NFL player in the history of football. Um, and I think it's shown right now how good he actually was. I mean, granted, his roster is stacked, but you know, that that guy took a beating for what 14 seasons? 12 years. 12, yeah. And you know, I, he, he never got one playoff victory. They didn't even get a showing. 
with the Lions. And, you know, it just goes to show you just – you put that guy on a different team. He's just – I mean, he's – he could be potentially a Hall of Fame guy now. Yeah, I mean, he's had so many – I don't have the numbers in front of me, but so many 4,000 yards – passing seasons like basically every year it's like four thousand yards or three thousand it's a lot he throws a lot of, he throws a lot of yards and he did it on a really crummy team maybe the worst franchise in all like our major four major sports leagues here in america like yeah just in terms of ineptitude got him to the playoffs mm-hmm. a few times and i thought that was kind of funny when they kept bringing up the number it's like here's Matthew Stafford's record in playoff games. And it's like, well, maybe, maybe it's just the lions playoff record. Cause they haven't won a playoff game in 30 years. Maybe that's mm-hmm. the thing. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not Stafford. And that was a legitimate talking point for some people. Oh, I don't know if the Rams can do anything because Matthew Stafford's never won a playoff game. Like, come on. Yeah. Nah, dude, he's uh, the guy's just too good. And he's, he's one of those guys that, he, he's just such a gamer and he is so I can't think of I don't know what word I'm looking for but he is so just tough and physical out there I mean he, he's gotten absolutely threat I, I don't know what game but there was a moment where he got absolutely ripped in the backfield after he threw a pass and he was clearly injured and clearly done got back up I think he like broke a rib or something played the rest of the game with broken ribs and no one knew about it till like the next Tuesday. Yeah, he and it's played, just that's just he played through a broken back a couple years ago. Too. Yeah, that was it. That was yeah. it. Yeah, like, who does that? I mean, you could tell me that he played with a broken rib, and I would believe it. Like I, I would believe if Matthew Stafford broke a rib, never told anybody, still hasn't told anybody, and he just played through it. <laughs> yeah, just doesn't matter. The guy's a gamer, and he's just tough as it comes, and. You know, it's insane. I'd be, I, I tried to find it, but also you got to think about from this standpoint too, the guy was constantly one of the more elite, not more, he was in that talk, the elite quarterbacks in the league. How many different offensive coordinators did he play for? How many different head coaches yeah. did he play for? I mean, I mean, it's to constantly be in that talk with different people um, guiding your team. I mean, that's incredible. And the Rams are going to the Super Bowl. Uh, we can touch on that. We'll come back to Brady a little later on, but we while we're here, we'll touch on this. Uh, the Rams are going to the Super Bowl. Honestly, Garrett, this was a game I watched on Sunday night. I wasn't quite as dialed into as the earlier game because the earlier game was, I mean, one of the greatest football games I've ever seen in my life, and we will talk yeah. about that shortly. But this Rams game, I, I know that uh, they were 0-6 against Kyle Shanahan, uh, I know that they've had their number, but eventually something's got to give. I mean, you and I both played sports. How hard is it to beat the same team in a season twice, three times? It's really hard. Yeah. You only play them two yeah. or three times to get a clean sweep. They were bound to win one. And I, I also just think that in terms of talent and high-impact players at important positions, I mean, you have an, an elite quarterback – an elite receiver, an elite edge rusher, an elite corner. Those are, I, I guess I don't know. This is where my uh, 
I'm stronger on college football. I, I can't speak to how strong their offensive line is. You might be able to speak to that. But when you have those pieces in terms of a Cooper Cup, a Matthew Stafford, a an Aaron Donald, and a Jalen Ramsey, like that is – I mean, what more do you need? You can fill the rest of the roster with, uh, I don't want to say average players, but and those are the high-impact positions, and they have elite players at all of those positions. Yeah, and then you got to look at the leadership role too, and I'm not – trying to crap on Jared Goff, but you put Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff side by side and you tell me to follow one of them, who are you going to pick? You're going to pick <laughs> Stafford 10 times out of 10. You know, it's just, I think, you know, just the aurora that guy has around him and the fact that he's been put through the ringer so many years. I mean, it's just, it's clear that the Rams, I haven't looked at it. I'm assuming that it's clear that the Rams got to be a favorite for the Super Bowl big time. And the Bengals are like an underdog, which is the reason why I'm rooting for the Bengals. But um, it's four points. Only four. Okay. Wow. So the Bengals are being shown some respect. I like it. They are. They are, man. And they should. They took down a a Chiefs team with arguably the same roster that the Rams had um, in Arrowhead Stadium, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, dude, they're a really, really good team. Um, but shoot, man, I, I think back about that game and I don't know the dude's name, but the safety that dropped that interception, that's, uh, I mean, that was a gift. That was an absolute gift and it wouldn't be too far, um, a stretch to say that the Rams are pretty much in the Super Bowl by, yeah, they played a good game, but they're there by luck too. Yeah, I uh, I'm not going to dispute that, <laughs> but I felt like yeah. that game. To tell the truth, I mean, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, bless his heart, but you look at the quarter, and it's obviously not just comes down to quarterback. But if you get in a close game, you need a quarterback who can make a big time play. And I have more confidence in Matthew Stafford than I do in Jimmy Garoppolo. And just as I was watching that game, though, I was thinking like, yeah, I know the Rams are down ten. I still think the Rams are going to win this game. Like I did not question my Rams pick. I picked the Rams to win the Super Bowl in the preseason, by the way. Um, I didn't I didn't really waver from that as much. Like I, I just didn't, I should say, in Sunday night's game. Whereas the the earlier game was just truly chaotic. Um, do you have anything you want to add on this Rams Diners game? I was uh I was watching it intently because my girlfriend is actually from the Bay Area and uh, was born and raised there. And so she used to be a Niners fan. Now she's a Titans fan because she lives in Nashville. Um, and dude, it was uh, watching her reaction. Some of those plays were pretty, pretty hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. J- Jimmy definitely could have played better, but man, they, they had a, uh, they, they had that game. They, they had that game. But, you know, Rams took advantage of it, and we'll see if they take advantage and win the Super Bowl. We will see. And then, of course, earlier in the day, we had this just fantastic. I mean, is this the game of the year or it was the Bills Chiefs game, the game of the year? I think that's the game of the year. Yeah, it's got to so be too. the game of the year. Um, just so much stuff happened. So much back and forth happened. That late interception and the manner that it happened was insane. 
where the ball just pops in his arms and he, you know, <laughs> to react and actually catch it and then be conscious that you have the ball. And it's one thing to be surprised that you have a football, but then to have the mental capacity to be like, okay, it must have tipped off. It must still be a live ball. I got to do something with this. And then for them to drive down the field after that, I mean, that's, you know, and it's funny, I, I read something too where, um, uh, after the Chiefs beat the Bills, um, apparently three, I think it was two or three years ago, maybe it was 2018, the Chiefs submitted a bid to the NFL to try to change the rules of overtime. Oh, and, the uh, after the Patriots Chiefs game in 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so obviously it got denied, well, which is why they won that game. Well, not why they won, but it's a big reason why they prevailed in overtime. That is well, why then you I look mean, at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying, trying to be too political here. That is why. <laughs> um, but and then you look at the following week, and that's the exact reason why they lost. And so I'm curious to f- see what their opinions might be on the. They go from one week where they're like, "We'll get the the rules not changed," and the next week they're like, "We'll bump this rule. We need to change it." Now, so Garrett, to- they actually. Sorry to correct you, but they started with the ball in overtime in both games. They punted against the Bengals. I don't know what their bid was to uh, change the overtime rules, but like if it would just be not saying it necessarily had to be college rules, but if it was just like a time period, even um, you could argue that they would have had a bigger, well, they would have had a bigger chance to win that game. Right. Um, So I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just curious to think about what their perspective must be now. Having been on both sides of that. Yeah, I mean, I think that the the reason part that's a large portion of why I think this last week was better because the team that won the coin flip didn't win the game because mm-hmm. in that Bills Chiefs game it was so abundantly clear win the coin toss and you're going to win this game because both defenses were just absolutely gassed they were scoring at will the Chiefs were able to move down the field in seven seconds, 10 seconds, whatever it was to kick that field goal to tie it up. You knew what was going to happen in this instance. I did not know. In fact, I, I did, I did have some doubts, but the way that Patrick Mahomes played in the second half of that game on Sunday, like he just, he looked like a guy who was betting on the Bengals. Like he, I was looking at him. I'm like, what on earth is he doing? He's rolling around. He's diving out of bounds. Like, and I I say this tongue in cheek. I don't actually think that Patrick Mahomes was uh, betting on his team to lose, but it kind of looked like it. Like that would be if, if we found out 30 years from now, that's why he played the way that he did that. Like some gang or some mob had something on his family and was like, you have to throw this game. Like, I I would I would believe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my brother is uh, love him to death. He, he can be a bit of a conspiracy theorist sometimes. So he thinks there's always a reason why teams lose in the NFL, and that you know the NFL will tell some teams to throw certain games. Um, now I, I have no argument as to why he would ever throw that game, but. More, more of a joke. Me mentioning that, yeah, but yeah. He just he played <laughs> terribly, man. He played terribly, and and that's the thing is that with Pat with, with Mahomes, you typically know what you're. It, it's the same thing, um, in Baltimore. You typically know 
what you're getting, right? Even on bad days, you typically know the certain window that you have to work with. But with how Mahomes played, it was drastically below of his standard. And I thought that was weird. You know, I don't know what happened, what what happened at halftime that led to that. But um, who knows? Maybe you can credit the Bengals with it, too. I'm sure you definitely put a lot of credit towards the Bengals. Their defense was grinding out there, man. And to constantly face a team, again, it's like facing the Rams with that much talent offensively. I mean, that says a lot about, I mean, man, just their defense just really stuck in there. Yeah, I think it was a Belichickian effort from Bengals head coach Zach Taylor in terms of that's what I've always seen Belichick do where he's like, he's the cyborg that he is. He gets his flash drive from the first half. He inserts it. He adapts and he's going to take away what you did in the first half. And what I saw in that game was honestly, uh, well, I'll, I'll rewind for a second before we get to halftime. The The Chiefs, I think, were playing very arrogant. They didn't look like they didn't have the same kind of urgency. It they, seemed like there was a little bit of, oh, we, we can mess around and we're going to win this game. Going for seven instead of kicking the field goal to go up 14 right before the half. And the not, it wasn't just the decision that they made it was a play that they called where it was like okay we're going to do this little dump off screen and then run it into the end zone I think it was Tyreek Hill and the Bengals made a huge stop when you give a team that's you're you I mean you've got them on the ropes in this particular instance look if you watch that first half most of us thought the Chiefs are going to just run them out blow them out yeah yeah exactly and then what ends up happening is you give them this gigantic emotional boost, the spiritual boost going into the locker room at half. Hey, we can stop these guys. Look at that stop. We just got there at the end of the half. I think that was a big swing in turn in momentum too, for that matter. It was, it definitely was. And momentum, in my opinion, is the most important thing in football. And you can feel it as a fan, like, uh, like where you're talking about the Rams game. I mean, the Rams might have been down, but the Rams were pulling plays. And even though you could be down 10, 14, whatever, if you have momentum on your side, you have hope on your side. And you have people who legitimately give weight to that hope. And so, I, you know, again, that, that was the thing that won the game for the Bengals. You can say what you want about the second half. But that decision, again, instead of kick field goal and try to be arrogant and score a touchdown, and then and since – give all the momentum to the Bengals was what won them that game. I feel like. Yeah, it was. I really think that <laughs> I think they win that game if they don't go for it there. I think if they kick yeah. that field goal and obviously I, I think it still would have ended up being a good game. Um, but I mean, they needed those three points because they ended up tying and going overtime. They had the three points. They wouldn't have tied. The other thing was, as we mentioned, with Zach Taylor, they they took away the way that the Chiefs were playing football. I didn't see any big plays from Tyreek Hill in the second half. I didn't see any big plays from Travis Kelsey, those little slant routes that they love. They totally took that away. It looked like, I guess I, I don't remember 
Garrett, were they blitzing more in the first half? Because in the second half, they were just dropping. It was like a two. It was like a three man rush, and then they had a spy, and they just dropped everyone back. So they doubled Kelsey and they doubled Tyreek. I don't know. It wasn't definitely wasn't every play, but most plays, if you go back and watch it, they doubled either one or the other, yeah. um, and it completely just. Again, yeah, they had that three man, three or four man rush, and they always had a spy. And the spy made a couple of key plays. Um, and essentially, spy's job is just read it and delay blitz. If you don't think the QB, it's got to be your most athletic linebacker too, which he was. And I, you know, I don't know why teams haven't put that into play either, because um, it worked like seamlessly against them. Um, and, you know, really, you got talent on the Chiefs squad, but you take out Kelsey. And even if you take out the threat, the deep threat of Tyreek Hill, if you just take that out, you can deal with the Chiefs. But knowing that there's always a deep threat there and you got to watch what's behind you all the time puts fear into people. But if you take that out of play, I imagine it's a lot easier, like we saw, to play the Chiefs. And it, it is. Um, but, and I just... Then you got to ask yourself if, if that's the way they're going to play. If they're going to double people up and only rush three or four, why don't we just stick to the ground game? Um, I, yeah, that was the arrogance. It was like, oh, well, yeah. you're you're taking away what we do good. We can still beat you. Do it playing our game. Yeah, we're yeah. not going I mean, to adapt to your adjustments. It's just arrogant. I mean, the ba- the Bengals literally said, "All right, you will not throw it against us. We're going to make you. If you're going to beat us, you have to run it." And they basically left the door cracked open, but. The Chiefs just didn't do it. Um, arrogance is a great way to describe it because that just, you know, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, right? So it's, it's arrogance. Well, then at the end of the game, they have the ball with about two minutes left. Maybe it was more than that when they started the drive. It was maybe like three minutes, four minutes. They had They had a handful of minutes there. They had some time. And they were putting a premium on, well, we're going to score. We're going to score the last touchdown of this game. We're going to score a touchdown with no time left. What what ended up happening was, and I watched it as it was happening. I was talking about it with my dad. I'm like, I don't think they're going to score a touchdown. One, based on how Mahomes has played this entire second half. But two, this reminds me of in basketball where you see teams and it, I mean, it happens too. And I guess a better example, I guess, is actually in football. In football, teams will get so conservative. They'll be up two scores and they just sit on the ball and they, they don't do anything dynamic anymore. And this was a different version of that. It was basically, we don't want to, and it, there's a method to it. I get it. You don't want to score without, you don't want to leave time on the clock if you score because of what happened last week where the Bills. It, it, it was basically going to come down to who had the ball last. I get it. But the, the approach that they took on that final drive where they just wound the clock down, it looked to me as if, one, it was an arrogance of like, oh, we'll, we'll get in the end zone. But then Mahomes fumbled on that play on third down. And if they did not recover that, they wouldn't have gotten to kick a field goal to tie the game. Like there was yeah. so much like I, I want to. Yeah, I think arrogance is the term. It was like, oh, maybe this is what happens. This is probably a downfall of being great at something is just expecting, expecting great things to happen, expecting your greatness. 
Yeah. And I also, I think it's too, um, you know, I'm going to use this term loosely, like I said earlier, insanity, because it was almost like they were thinking, okay, well, we've been in the spot before. Here's what we did to fix it. So let's just do it again. It'll work again. Rather than having the kind of adapting mindset of it, more of an open mindset of, okay, here's what's actually going on. Let's adapt to this. What are they doing? They are stopping the pass. So let's run. Um, they just didn't do it. I mean, again, you say arrogance. I agree. I also am going to sprinkle in a little bit of insanity with that too. <laughs> yeah, I, I won't dispute that. Uh, but it was a great game. I mean, this was really the big coming out party for Joe Burrow. If you didn't watch, if you're not a college football fan and you missed out on what he did two years ago to the full extent, uh, when he just took the entire league by storm, now he's doing it in the NFL. He and Jamar Chase, I mean, in the matter of just in a little over two years, playing in a national championship game, winning a national championship, and now they get to play in the Super Bowl. Yeah, and it's funny, too. You have two different quarterbacks with two different mindsets on it. You got Stafford, who, you know, he's he's never been to Super Bowl, but he's been in pressure pack games before in the NFL, and he's been through the ringer as far as he's, you know, he's – was this is his 13th year? Is that right? Yeah, his 13th uh, year. So I remember his rookie year, he was drafted in 09. So this would be yeah, thirteen years. Yeah, so he's been through lines. So he's been through the ringer, and he's been through games. And to him, this might be just another game. And uh, you know, he's got that experience where he can. That's probably what he's telling himself. Oh, it's just another game, whatever. But then you got Joe Burrow, who's just young and cocky enough to just not be phased by the fact that it's a Super Bowl. Just thinking, all right, well, I'm you know. I'm Joe Burrow. I've been playing great. I'm going to tear him down. And I say that because if you saw what Joe Burrow wore to the stadium pregame, the kid is just full of swag right now. And he is, I don't think it's, it's very too. I I don't think either quarterback is nervous, but I think both of them are not nervous for different reasons. And it's funny. Um, You know, it's the quote that comes to mind is um, in the movie for the love of the game, where he's trying to, he's pitching to the last batter for a no hitter, and they throw in a, a pinch hitter who's this young rookie. And the announcer says, "What a smart move by the manager. The kid, it's a young cocky kid who doesn't fully understand the extent of the situation." And I would make that argument for Joe Burrow. I mean, he's twenty five, twenty six, and you know he's very new in the league overall, and maybe he's young and cocky and fully doesn't understand how hard it is to actually get to a Super Bowl because he hasn't played for that long. So yeah, it's interesting. Well, before before Garrett and I hopped on here, we were talking about a little bit of life stuff, uh, which we won't get into on this show. But the main thing we we're talking about is how easy, like I overthink things sometimes. And I, I think that it's more likely that a guy like Matthew Stafford is going to be overthinking over the next two weeks than Joe Burrow is. Exactly. But and you have. Will, yeah. What would you say? Oh, nothing. Yeah. Go ahead. It's um. Yeah. It's 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 an interesting dynamic for sure. Um. But I, I you know, I think Joe Burrow loves the fact that they're considered the underdogs. I think that whole team loves the fact because that's what they were in Kansas City, also. 
Matthew Stafford, you Brent, you mentioned him again, and I was just thinking, like, as you were talking about Matthew Stafford, I, I would love to see him win because I feel like a guy like Matthew Stafford, and you know, I don't, I don't watch a ton of NBA, but I watched the finals last year. Chris Paul got to the finals last year, kind of similar in terms of just a great player who kind of keeps his head down and works, doesn't really toot his own horn just kind of has been cranking away, chipping away, has put himself in a lot of positions to kind of br- to finally break through and hasn't ever fully broken through and and won a championship. And I want to see those guys win cuz I feel like it's a metaphor for life because it's an inspiration for for guys like you and me who we felt there've been times where we feel like we're really close to something, we can't get it done. But look at that example of Matthew Stafford 12 years in Detroit when he never he never cried, he never moaned, he never asked to be traded. He just kept his head down and worked and uh now he's going to have a chance to win a Super Bowl. It's a pretty amazing story. Yeah, it is. And you know, this is first Super Bowl that I can remember where you have probably two of the more likable quarterbacks playing in it. Typically you get Brady and somebody else or some quarterback and, and typically, <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is, is, you know, it's funny. You mentioned that Mahomes, everyone likes Mahomes, but now a lot of people don't like his brother or they're not into yeah. his fiance. Oh, they hate, they hate Jackson. They don't like that guy <laughs> at all. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, this one, it's like, you got two different types of love for two different types of quarterback, you know, but typically it's, you know, it's, 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 Someone people hate, like a lot of haters for Brady, of course, and uh, someone that people don't hate. But now it's just like, I don't think really either of these two quarterbacks are hated in any way. I think they're both respected. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that this is a great matchup. And in addition to that, you have a team that has never won a Super Bowl, has only played in one, in another one. I'm, gosh, I'm, I, this is my trivia. Like, this is me going off memory. I don't have it for certain. I think it was 1999, the last time the Rams won the Super Bowl. It was like late 90s, greatest show on turf. That was the Mike Jones play uh, where he tackles the guy one yard short and the Titans had seen Against the Titans. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that was a great game. I mean, that's one that I was too young to remember watching live, but I've seen the NFL films and... NFL films is great, by the way, but I mean, that's uh, so you got a team that has won one Super Bowl and that the last time that they won was close to 25 years ago and then another team that's never won. And I think that, you know, I'm actually someone that loved the Patriots as a dynasty in terms of I just thought it was like the best TV show in sports. Like it was drama. You wanted them every year. The event felt bigger. But a lot of people didn't feel that way. And a lot of people two years ago when we got Chiefs and 49ers, it was sort of like, okay, there's no Brady, some fresh blood. And I was actually surprised when it happened. The ratings went through the roof. I think that we're going to forget the market size and all of that. I know that I don't think the league is pretty pumped about Cincinnati being their AFC rep. But I I think that this is going to be a Super Bowl that people are going to be pretty jazzed up for. Yeah, but yeah, and Cincinnati definitely is one of those fan bases that, you know, obviously they're not used to it. So I think they're going to show out for. And I mean, it's like when 
Mississippi State in 2014, when first ever, you know, college football rankings come out, we were number one. And it, I was at Mississippi State at the time. And boy, because we were so used to sucking, <laughs> the fan the fan base and everyone just kind of embraced that fan base. I think Cincinnati is not too far away from where we were back then. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't know enough about the ratings to guess on what they're going to be, but I would say they're pretty high because I think it's also two teams that people really aren't that familiar with overall. Like if you're just a generic kind of like, I think I'm a little more familiar, but some, you know, we'll use me for an example. If you're a guy that is more college football, college baseball based, you, you like NFL, you'll watch NFL cause you love football, but you don't, you don't really dive into too much about every team. You know, yeah, that's to be I honest, am. last week was really the coming out party for the Bengals in my eyes. That was the first time I really got to look and kind of got to watch the Bengals play is typically Bengals is not a team. I'm going to play. I knew they were good. Didn't really know much about them. But last week, I'm like, okay, I'm hooked. I'm on board with them. <laughs> yeah, I think that I maybe I saw them a little more because they play in the Steelers division. And so they're on my radar. And then, oh, shout out to CJ Revis. CJ's a great friend of mine. We've been friends since fourth grade. Played Little League together. Uh, talked to him almost every day on Facebook and text and all that. Um, but CJ, he is a Bengals fan. He did not live in Cincinnati. He just liked the Bengals as a kid, kind of like how you like the 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 Bucks. And I guess I'm kind of like that too with the Steelers. And CJ, at any point, could have jumped on the Bears bandwagon when the Bears went to the Super Bowl in 2006, or really any other team. But he stuck by the Bengals this whole time. And Cincinnati, in terms of fan bases, it's not just football that they've been tortured the reds haven't won a playoff series since ugh, gosh the 90s it's been a long time the reds have not won a i get i would have to pull that up again but it's been a long time since the reds won a playoff series at least 20 years maybe 30 and then you've got in addition to that like cincinnati basketball xavier basketball a couple years ago in the tournament it was like 2018 so four years ago in the tournament Xavier, I think, was a one seed. Cincinnati was a six seed. They they had they both were high seeds. Maybe it was two and a six. And they both lost in the round of 32 on the same day by blowing. Uh <laughs> you might not remember this, Garrett, but uh Nevada was down like 20 at half on uh, on Xavier. Or Xavier was up 20 on Nevada. Nevada came back and won. And then Cincinnati was up like 12 15 second half on Iowa they both lost in the same weekend and CJ is just like this is just Cincinnati sports summed up in a nutshell like this is what happens Cincinnati sports um they're kind of like the Cleveland everyone always talks about how bad Cleveland is but Cincinnati's been pretty dang tortured since the days of the big red machine yeah they uh I mean I'm just now remembered Cincinnati Bearcats being in the playoff. So I guess yeah. uh, this year has been a little different for them, but yeah. yeah. And it's the Reds, man. I mean, <laughs> your star player in your program and your organization's history is banned from the game that he played. So yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty rough going for those guys, but yeah, it's, um, I've, uh, 
I've got a friend that I met through my girlfriend uh, named Nick, who is from Cincinnati. He's been a Bengals fan. And so he's, you know, I got a pull for the, I got a pull for the Bengals just because of him. He's been waiting a long time, his whole life, really. Yeah. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's, one, again, it's one Garrett, those... you've got, you got a bunch of Rams fans that have been waiting like five whole years. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> Man, I just have a tough time believing that anyone in L.A. really cares that much about football. But obviously they do. But L.A. football fans, to me, are not the same as a Cincinnati football fan. You know, Well, it's they just, were fans of the Seahawks probably like six years ago. And then yeah, they got a football yeah. team. And, oh, the Rams. And it's like, we go back since the last time the Rams were here. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> you, yeah, you, were, don't. you were rooting for someone else for the last 30 years. Yeah, or you're jumping on the Raiders bandwagon, and then when they left, yeah, you know, it's it's like okay, now I'm a Rams fan. It's like, come on, man. I mean, they've been so patient. They've waited like a whole five years for this, Garrett. Like, yeah, whole five years. Yeah, <laughs> and they did yeah, play when was the, three years ago. Yeah, when when were when was the uh, Bengals organization formed? Oh gosh, I don't know. That would be we'll, we'll call it the mid seventies. I'll pull it up. Know? I can pull it up. Google it. Keep talking. That's how long those guys have been waiting. I mean, so, man, I just, you know, I, I, it's kind of, it almost is kind of like a David versus Goliath aspect right now, just because it's, you know, it reminds me a lot of the uh, Iron Bowl. You get a lot of Bama fans that, you know, I think it's 80% of Alabama um, are Alabama fans. I don't know if that's the number. Birmingham, it's definitely that way. Um, but you get these people who've never don't even know where Tuscaloosa is on a map that are rooting for Alabama, but Auburn fans for the most part are people I went to school at Auburn. And, uh, you know, it's kind of very similar. You get a bunch of these, you know, bandwagon fans in LA and a bunch of stay true fans in Cincinnati. <laughs> okay. And by the way, I pulled it up. If you had to guess what year would you guess? You were pretty close with your general idea of how old they are. 73 68 that's pretty good man nice yeah that's good yeah so um bengals and have you ever been to cincinnati garrett never been no i went for the first time this past summer how was it 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 was very cool they have great fans both cincinnati and cleveland i i did a weekend um where i visited one of my friends evan myers he's been on the show handful of times and evan lives in columbus area he actually works for the columbus blue jackets hockey team and uh i did a weekend i stayed with him and the first night i actually hit fort wayne tin caps minor league on the way there and i stayed in fort wayne just in a really sketchy (laughs) motel and then uh the next day booked it to columbus and then we drove from columbus to cincinnati did a day trip went to the Reds game and then the next day and then we came back that night and the next morning we were off to Cleveland and went to the Indians game. Um, and I can tell you that Ohio won great people in the state of Ohio, just classic Midwestern, nice people, great sports fans. I mean, these people, again, if you want to talk about, sure, they've got Ohio state football and Ohio state's pretty good in all sports for that matter. But if you want to talk pro sports, not a lot of great history in the in the state of Ohio in terms of pro sports, aside from 
what the Reds accomplished with Pete Rose, which <laughs> you mentioned. And then, of course, the you know, the Cavs winning in 2016. But other than that, I mean, you've had these just diehard great fans uh, who haven't gotten to see a whole lot. And now uh, now they got their chance here. And, really and, nice besides, Jack, and besides Jack Nicholas. Yeah. Jack Nicholas was a – yeah. He's from Dublin, That's right? Him. He is. So he went to uh, – Ohio State. Ohio State. Yep. And, yeah, he's – yeah, he's Ohio – it's one of the few things they can root for up there <laughs> or was, true. I guess. Yeah. I think he went to, he's, I think he's from Dublin, Ohio, which is actually the town that my friend Evan lives in right now. Um, just outside of Columbus. It's a really nice area. It's really cool. Um, nice. man, I love Jack. My dad was a, my dad was a huge, huge Jack fan. And I think that his fandom of Jack contributed to my name being Jack. <laughs> really? Yeah. My, my mom, uh, you know, my parents were naming me and my dad's name, his name is John and his father's name was John. And so kind of like the family tradition is John J O H N. And then you have a different middle name. So we're not like juniors. Um, so I'm the third John in a row. Um, so my real name is actually John and then, you know, JFK, people call him Jack. I believe Jack Nicholas's real name is John too. I don't think he's just Jack. If, if I'm, if I'm wrong, there are some other famous Jacks who are actually John's. Um, and so I think my dad, he liked, uh, he liked JFK. Well, no, I mean, that wasn't JFK wasn't a factor in that, but that's an example of it. But he loved Jack Nicholas, so my mom was like, "How about like they they said we if we name him John, we call him Jack, so you, he doesn't have the same exact like name as you." But now I'm like 27 years old, and I'm kind of like, "Why is my name even John if I, no one's ever going to call me John <laughs> in my life?" Yeah. Like, there was yeah. a certain point where I thought, "Well, maybe at some point I'll get older and everyone's going to start calling me John." It just didn't happen. I like being Jack, so yeah. That's where that's where my I, Jack Nicholas was definitely an influence on my dad in that regard. Yeah, well, my dad wanted to name me and my twin brother John Wayne Powell and Pat Dye Powell, the uh, late Auburn head coach. So my mom quickly put a stop to that. But <laughs> <laughs> those are good names, though. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. I goofed it up. Jack's name is actually just Jack, but. Jack Nicholson, he's a John. Okay. But I, fact. I wasn't named after Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. Oh, I was man. just watching The Departed uh, like on my flight recently. How many times have you seen The Departed, Garrett? Just once. Really? Yeah, and it wow. wasn't even all the way through either. It was, we had it on with some friends and I don't, man, I don't even think I watched most of it. I hear it's like a legendary movie though, right? Yeah, I'm actually really shocked because it's a it's a movie that I've seen near 50 times and it's got a, an incredible cast. The acting's great, the script's great. It's Scorsese, it won best picture in 2006. And uh it's a movie that if it's ever on TV, I can just jump into and watch for 20 minutes. So I'm actually really surprised that you said that because I mean, we, I was hanging out with our, our, our good friend, uh, John root. I was hanging out with him 
uh, about a week ago and I mentioned that the part it is like, oh, yeah, I've seen that like 30 times. Like <laughs> it's just one of those movies that if it's on you, you got to watch it. It's so good. Yeah, I think we turned it on. I don't know what was going on, but we didn't really we we weren't really into it. Not because it wasn't good, but something else was going on. And so but I remember it having like a star studded cast, though, like everybody was in that movie. Yeah. You got DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Mark Wahlberg, Jack Nicholson, Alec Baldwin, and uh, and then uh, the Martin Sheen, Anthony Anderson. Like it's 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 great. Jeez, man, that's nuts. Yeah, but uh, anyway, coming back to the sports of it all, let's get let's go back to Tom Brady because uh, we we started with Brady. I think there's more that we can discuss with Brady. Um, I really think one thing that was good, I think it was great, actually. I didn't realize it at the time because when he left the Patriots, I was a little, I, I, it didn't feel right to me. I wanted to watch him keep playing there. And I, it still doesn't feel right to me that he's retiring. But with Tom Brady, the thing that I think is, um, the th- I, I'm glad that he left the Patriots is what I'm saying, because I really think a lot of people who were haters of Tom Brady were mainly just haters of the Patriots and their sustained success. So when he went down to Tampa, I noticed this over the last couple of years. A lot of people who I knew who used to hate Tom Brady, root against Tom Brady, were coming around on him and saying, I really like this guy. Like he's a good guy. He's an ultimate. He's a great competitor. He's one of the greatest athletes we'll ever see in our lives. Um, if he's not the greatest. And I really think a lot of people were able to remove some of their biases that they had against him and the Patriots with him moving over to Tampa. Yeah. Um, I, I never understood that though, man. It's, it's, you know, so many people talk so much smack about the Patriots because Brady was on it and Belichick and Kraft. And, you know, I I just think it's the way I view Nick Saban and the Tide is that you got to respect greatness. Like, it's not just luck that this guy keeps popping up in Super Bowls. I mean, obviously, you and I know that, but some people will put credit to it that, you know, oh, it's just lucky, you know, you, oh, NFL's rigged. They just like the Patriots. But it's funny how, you know, he goes down to Tampa and, I think you're right. It did remove a lot of the bias towards it. You know, it made Bill Belichick seem way better in a lot of people's <laughs> eyes that Brady wasn't there anymore. Um, but yeah, it's funny where those two are together and they're hated, but then those two are apart and they become better in the eyes of other people. You know, it's, it's, it's strange. It's a really weird dynamic. Um, but again, I was just, I saw this stat. Um, Tom Brady has played, and 18% of the Super Bowls, and he's won 13% of them. <laughs> and oh my god, he's got he's got more Super Bowls just by himself in all 32 franchises. Oh my gosh, that is that's yeah. incredible. I mean, you can't, that's I mean, that's 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 not luck. I mean, that's that is greatness. And I don't think people, you know, I would argue that I don't understand either. I think a lot of people don't really understand what all goes into greatness on that level. Yeah, I think that it's just people like to hate on a winner. I think that's it. And it's like, I understand there are teams that are unlikable. Like, I did not think that... I, I think a, people who root against LeBron are, are justified. They have their reasons to not like LeBron. It's not 
just because he's good at basketball. He's done some mm-hmm. things. He said some things. He's moved from team to team. He's thrown teammates on the bus. And I actually, that's a whole other conversation. I didn't think the Golden State Warriors were likable when they had Kevin Durant. I thought that they were kind of like really showing up their opponents left and right. I didn't think they were very likable. Um, I didn't. And they also got Kevin Durant when they didn't need Kevin Durant. Like it, it was, it was totally different to for people to not like those teams. And even in baseball, like I could understand people disliking a team like the Yankees because they have a significant advantage with their payroll over teams such mm-hmm. as the Tampa Bay Rays. That does not exist in football. It has a pretty equal playing field just in terms of the way it's structured. It's equal. Um, the the difference is that if you have a bad owner, then it's not an equal playing field. But if you, there are teams that have good owners, bad owners, whatever. Um, people just hated the Patriots because they were good. And they wanted to use uh, Spygate, which... Has anyone actually gone through and read everything about Spygate? Because I I've never been interested enough to do that. Deflategate was just an absolute joke. You had so many quarterbacks coming out and saying, "Oh yeah, we all like to have our f- footballs adjusted a certain way. We like it made a certain way." That was just a total joke of an operation in terms of the yeah. suspension, everything. And people were so quick to say, oh, yeah, they did cheat because they already disliked them. They already had a bias against them. It wasn't that they it's it's because they've beaten your team so many times and you got to I I'm glad you were able to see it. And I was able to I think I probably I dislike the Patriots when they were 16 and 0 that year because they sort of build them as the villains of the league. But then a couple years later, I just started to realize, I'm like, oh, they're not really doing anything that's villainous. They're just really good at football. Like Tom yeah. Brady's a gentleman. <laughs> he's so he's first class. He's respectful. So what if Belichick isn't like a super friendly kind of warm figure? He's not a mean guy either. And I think, um, yeah, I never really hated the Patriots. I appreciated what they brought. And every Super Bowl they were in was a great Super Bowl. Um, but I think it took whatever it was, Brady leaving, the the divorce, the Patriots becoming, uh, they were invincible. Now they're not invincible anymore. All of that to, for people to realize, oh, I actually really like this guy. Yeah. Um, I agree. It just... I don't know, man. It, it, you kind of maybe there's a little bit of title chasing involved and in what people thought, or people didn't really think he was as good as he really was until he joined a new team and then did the same thing all over yeah, again. Um, but yeah, I just think you know people just had more respect for the guy because of that reason. That I, again, I don't think greatness. Part of being great is understand that what you're achieving isn't respected by everybody, by probably by a lot of people, um, probably by half the people is not respected by it. Um, but you continue to do it anyway. And, you know, I just think it boils down to people don't understand what all goes in to being great on that level. 
and they like to blame it on luck. And then when their when their pursuit of luck doesn't pan out, they just say, "Oh, well, he just they find some other reason." And I think that's all it was. And I think him swapping teams like that, and you know, the Bucks weren't an overly stacked team. Yeah, they had players, but not not like the Rams. Um, and he's still going and doing what he did there. It's just, yeah, it, it's greatness. I think people can see that clear. There's no argument against it now. Yeah, I think you're spot on with all of that. Um, and I'm glad that people kind of were able to come around and enjoy him here at the end of his career. I see in a lot of outpouring of love for him. I going back to something you mentioned earlier on, I thought he was going to play for another five years. Uh, and I just think my, part of the thing I thought is you hear about these athletes, some guys retire too soon and they say, you know what? I really wish I had played those last couple of years because if you wake up and you're 55 and you miss it, you can't go back to it. It's, it's one of the few careers where like I'm expecting to hopefully be in this sports media field for a long time. But let's say I, let's say I took a detour, did something else, worked at a church. And then I was like, you know what? I missed that sports media thing. I'm going to get back to that. You know, it wouldn't exactly be an overnight thing that I just, you know, flip back on and do, but I could do it. And if you're a professional athlete, your, your body has to cooperate with you. And so I thought with him being so obsessively competitive that he would be, I just didn't think this was the way he was going to go out. I thought he would want to finish on top. I would have thought this season left a bad taste in his mouth. I'm not con- entirely convinced that this is the last time we've seen him. I mean, uh, there's a lot of stuff in his personal life that he keeps private, which is good. Um, and we're not going to try to poke and prod and try to understand any of that. But it's just going to be hard for me to picture him sitting at home next season, watching football and getting acclimated back to normal life after doing this for 22 years. I think he's going to miss it. And I would not be surprised if a year from now we're seeing him. Maybe it's a new team. I don't know where he is, but what do you think? Uh, man, I, I don't know. Um, Cause obviously you saw that with Brett Favre. I mean, Brett Favre just couldn't yeah. let it go. Um, but I don't know if I would put Brady in the same category as Brett Favre. You know, I, I think, I think football is completely different. I think you see it with basketball, you can see it with baseball, you can see it with other sports. You know, I, I can't speak to hockey. I don't pay attention to it. But, you know, I remember back when I played, when, freshman in college at South Alabama, like just practice, waking up the next day from a practice, it would take me like hours just to get loosened back up. Right. And think about how much motivation you have to have to want to go do that again when you wake up and you're just your body just killed. And I, th- I just think, you know, granted, I was 18, 19 years old when I was doing that. Um, this guy is 44. Yeah. And I just think he just didn't want to do it anymore. I think yeah. just the want wasn't there. I don't think he was having fun with it anymore. Um and, you know, different things during the season happen. And I think you can attribute to it. You know, I, I think 
I think it's not too far out of the question to say that Antonio Brown's stunt definitely probably turned him off from the game oh, or being on the bus yeah, that's too. A good, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, I think of that. You know, just to the point of like, man, I'm over it. Like I'm over putting up with all this. I'm over dealing with these prima donnas. Like I don't want to do it anymore. And I, you know, I just don't think, I don't, I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'll, I'm with you on that. I think he, I think he might be done for good just because, you know, you ask yourself the question of two, how many years has he possibly felt like this? You know, you can make the argument that he felt like this towards the end of his tenure with new England. Well, then that's why he chose to swap teams then too. And maybe you could say, well, new England wanted him out too. Well, that could be part of the case as well. But I just think there, there has to be like, you have to be one kind of like his quote, you have to be 1000% in. And part of being 1000% in is being willing to do the work, being competitive. But another part of it is you genuinely think it's fun and you want to do it. And I just think getting beat up as much as he did, you know. Hey, G, we, uh, you froze. Oh, you're back. You there? Yeah, you're, you're back. You're good. Sorry. Hold on one second. <laughs> it's all good, man. Sorry, man. Uh, that's my girlfriend calling. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Quinn. All right. Um, hold on one second. Yes. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so Garrett is paused here for a second. We will get him back in a short bit. He'll give us a thumbs up when he's ready. Oh, okay. So he's no longer in the feed. Uh, to, so we're live right now. We lost Garrett for a second. I'm sure he'll be right back. Uh, curious to see where he goes with this thought, but I kind of feel like we sort of did everything we could on Brady for the most part, except I'm really curious to know what the Bucks do. Oh, he's back. Welcome back, Garrett. Sorry, man. It, it messed up the mics when I tried to ignore her call. And so, oh, okay. Yeah. But we're good. That's now. all good. No, you know what? I think we should probably keep moving because we're we are pressed for some time. I want to allow you to call Quinn back um, so we can keep moving. But I am curious in terms of Brady. Uh, well, do you, I, I'll give you a chance to finish your thought if you had anything else you want to say. It really, I was rambling a little bit, but really, I just think he's done because I just don't think he wants to do it. I don't think he's having fun anymore. Um, yeah. I think there are different things, not only just a 22-year career, but different things that happened specifically this season um, that led to that. All right. Yeah. No, I think I think you're spot on. And you brought up, you are allowing me to see this in a way that I hadn't really thought about before. Um, I'm curious what the future of the quarterback position is for the Tampa Bay Bucks. I mean are you going to trot out Kyle Trask next year as your starter? Are you going to try to draft a quarterback? Are you going to try to make a big splash in terms of maybe an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson? What do, what do you think the future of this position is heading into 2022? Well, the good news is, is that you've got some experience at backup with Blaine Gabbert. Um, and I, w- I don't think that's really that bad of an option. Um, you know, I want, I want to mind them going with him because again, Gabbert had more than one season as Brady as a mentor. 
And I think that would be my first route is let's take a look at Gabbert and see how he's grown and throw him in the mix a little bit and go down that route. Um, Cause right now, I mean, you really, you really don't know what you have, right? I mean, Gabbert hasn't had a chance in Tampa Bay, but he has had a couple of seasons to learn under Brady. So I think you just start with him and then adjust as time goes on. That's, I mean, that's a fair point. I think I personally don't think they're going to go with Blaine Gabbert to start. I mean, maybe they, maybe they just stick with him in Trask and competition battle and preseason. Maybe that's the situation. Um, I feel like typically when you have a Blaine Gabbert, you have two of those kind of guys and not just one of those guys. And I guess they technically do at this time. So maybe that's what we'll see. Yeah. You know, it's, um, I'm not directly, I guess I am. It's kind of like Aaron Rodgers and um, Green Bay. You know, it's obviously, I'm not going to say that Blaine Gabbert has the same talent capacity Aaron Rodgers does. That would be ridiculous. But you just never know what a couple seasons of mentorship with somebody in that level of greatness can do for a player. And obviously, you know, Blaine Gabbert didn't have a great beginning to his career, but you know, he has started in NFL games. He's got decent talent around him, and he's had two seasons to learn from Brady. I, I think maybe not stardom. Um, well, I say throw him in the mix for a starter next year. Let, let him prove himself. Yeah. Never know. All right. So in other news, Jim Harbaugh could be on his way to Minnesota. We had a report from... Oh, well, we'll we'll do Harbaugh in a second. I want to make sure I quote the guy who got the report out there. But uh, in a very shocking turn of events, Brian Flores, who coached the Miami Dolphins for the last two years, and they had uh, they actually did pretty well in both years. He was fired. He is now suing the NFL and all 32 teams for discrimination he's alleging that he was not hired as a result of his race and he is black um actually he's black right he's not mixed Mm -hmm. yeah he's black so uh brian flores is now saying that the nfl is a racist institution this is not a good thing for the nfl this is very going. This can be a real messy situation. Uh, I haven't dove too deep into this. The story broke relatively soon, uh, relatively shortly before we got on the show. But one of the things that I think is interesting, it, it sounded like he was upset because he felt like he was brought into a lot of these job interviews and not actually. Uh, someone who they were considering. Isn't that just the problem with the Rooney rule though? Because you have the Rooney rule that enforces the, the uh, each, whenever you're those who don't know the Rooney rule. If you're trying to hire someone, you're trying to pick a new coach. You have to bring in at least one non-white candidate to interview for the job to try to create more opportunities for minorities Unfortunately, what ha- however, what happens is a lot of those guys aren't actually being considered for those jobs, so they're being brought in, and they're really just having their time wasted. I think it's actually a bad thing for the minorities because they're not being seen as equal 
with white coaches. Yeah, I mean, it's, man, it's strange because, oh, man, it's, I'm not, you know, you need to hire who's qualified for the position. And you don't need to just be like, oh, well, if you're a female or if you're black, oh, if you're Hispanic, like, who is best for the position? And, you know, the evidence that he shows is that Bill Belichick told him three days before his interview on a text message chain um, who got the job. Now, mistakenly, he meant to contact somebody else. Um, but I just don't think that's uh, that's I don't think that's enough evidence to prove that you weren't chosen for the job because of the color of your skin. You know, I mean, he because uh, didn't didn't they did they they lost to Jacksonville to not make it to the playoffs. Is that right? Uh, the or Colts uh, Colts. Yeah, no, they, they, they the Colts lost to the Jaguars. Um, the dolphins were just kind of like, they lost to somebody late in the season. But yeah, I think they lost to the Colts. I think that's what it was. Um, but yeah, but it's like, you know, you look at their record under Brian Flores, it's five and 11, 10 and six and nine and eight. And, you know, where, you know, where exactly is that progression that they're looking for? You know, I'm just surprised to hear that he's suing all 32 teams um, instead of just suing the Dolphins for firing him. Like that's that that's more so something I would have expected instead of suing all 32 teams, calling them racist. And I just don't know what you have. What cards do you have in your corner or in your deck that you're going to play that's going to prove your case? I don't understand. Unless someone has said something that the public doesn't know about, which I doubt because we saw what happened with John Gruden, but I don't know. I mean, I'm going to have to really dive into this and find out the information before I come to some sort of conclusion or take or whatever. But my one initial thought is that this guy's probably never going to get a job in the NFL. If you, if you file a lawsuit against an employer, you're not working for that employer anymore. I mean, and this is going to be, I mean, if you want to talk about, I mean, we won't talk about it, but if you're interested in lawsuits, NFL is going to have its hands full with this thing. And this is not a good look for the league. Even if, even if it's not, uh, we'll find out what, what comes of it. But then you also, meanwhile, the last time you were on, we were talking about John Gruden and now he's got a lawsuit against the NFL. Like this is just not a good place for the NFL to be in. It's not, it's really not, man. Um, you know, I, I, I'm just, I'm curious to see what's going to happen. Frankly, it's, uh, I mean, they haven't really been in a good place for, you know, it's not like Roger Goodell's really steering this ship in the right direction for a <laughs> while now. I'm sure Dave Portnoy would uh, agree with me on that. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm curious to see what's going to happen. I'm curious to see what's going to go down. Oh, are you friends with Portnoy now, too? Is he coming on the Jack Vita show? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could do that for you, man, but no, I don't. <laughs> No, the the Clay episode, man. Clay was fantastic on here. That episode was uh, made possible by Garrett Powell. Do what I can, man. Working on some more for you, too. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Uh, So, okay, let's see. What else? So, Jim Harbaugh 
This is from Chris Ballas, who covers, he's a senior editor editor of TheWolverine.com, and he covers Michigan. So this is a guy who typically when beat reporters get this information, I I trust that information a little more than it. I mean, I, I, I put trust into it when a beat reporter says something because those are the guys that are the journalists that are there all the time. They, you know, I was a beat reporter when I covered Valpo basketball and I was at practices, you know, weekly. I was talking to coaches weekly. Those are the guys who are kind of like the, the, the journalists that are out there really grinding. So Chris Ballas, he covers Michigan sports at the Wolverine. He tweeted, I haven't read the story, but sources, Jim Harbaugh plans to sign with the Minnesota Vikings. This from three hours ago, I believe I could be wrong. I think he's meeting with the Vikings tomorrow morning. And it's a good chance by that by the next time we have a podcast out next week, we're talking about Jim Harbaugh as the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. So that would mean he's out from Michigan after really restoring the program to prominence and kind of, he basically this year, he got him to where they were hoping he would get him. Um, so maybe he feels like he's done everything that was asked of him and he wants to get back to the NFL. Yeah. Um, and then Michigan's going to do something crazy and hire Lane Kiffin. No way. <laughs> Talk about a bold prediction. Oh, no. That would be insane. No, that that that's a topic for discussion another day, maybe. But yeah, it's um, that's no wait. I mean, is that is, do you think that is what will happen, or were you joking? I kind of think it's going to happen. I kind of think <laughs> because I, I think basically the number one thing on Lane Kiffin's radar right now is I feel like he wants to get back at Nick Saban. And I think by being at a huge program, you know, arguably a program that's just as big as Alabama is something that's definitely on his radar. Now, I, I have no idea if that's going to happen. I, I, <laughs> I was I, I would consider him to be a candidate. Do I know that they're looking at him? I have no freaking idea. I, I doubt they are. <laughs> but and uh, Harbaugh leaving Michigan though, that's um, that's interesting, man. Um, you know. You got to think that there's pressure at Michigan, sure. Um, but the guy, you know, didn't have a win against a top 10 team for like his first, what you tell me, was it like four or five years at yeah, Michigan? It was a, yeah, it was a number of years. And then uh, and finally, finally beat Ohio State this past year for the first time. But to his credit, where he came in, uh, Brady Hoke, the organization, I mean, Michigan football diminished during the Brady Hoke era from the yeah. Rich Rod era and the Lloyd Carr era. Like it was going down and they had gone five years, six years without beating Ohio state before he got there. And that was going back to before urban Meyer rescued Ohio state. Cause Ohio state had in a, they had a little, they had a few years there where they, they had a losing record one year. It was like 2011. I want to say like, before Urban came back in, uh, and now I'm now I'm going off the rails about random stuff. I apologize. Continue. <laughs> no, I mean I just you know I, I think you know I'm just interested to see if it happens or not. 
Uh, I think Harbaugh's definitely been keeping his eyes on the NFL for a while. Um, but, you know, I think the bigger question is who who's going to fill in a spot at Michigan. And yeah, I think that's very interesting. I think, I think actually I take back, I think the first guy they're going to look at is Cincinnati's head coach. So that would be Luke Fickle. And I could def. I think every single major job that opened up this past uh, coaching carousel cycle, the two names that everyone would talk about were Luke Fickle and Matt Campbell, the head coach of Iowa State. So I'd expect both those guys to be in the mix. And but it's going to be very interesting because at this time, because we don't have any news of this actually is happening. Or what? So we don't know what Michigan's shortlist is, or what kind of rumors are circulating there. It's all probably happening right now as we talk, and mm-hmm. it's probably going to change very significantly over the next twenty-four hours, forty-eight hours, and maybe maybe Harbaugh gets cold feet. He wants to stay at Michigan. I, I guess my question is: Do you feel like Harbaugh did everything that? I mean, maybe not everything, but do you think he ultimately? leaves Michigan as a success because I, I think he, I think he did. Uh, overall success. Yeah. yeah. Um, however, success in the eyes of the Michigan faithful. No, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think because he beat Ohio state, I think the reason why he was hired was to return back to the Lloyd Carr era where everyone was scared yeah. of Michigan. Now I don't think they did that. Yeah. They made the college football playoff, but, you know, you, you beat a kind of a weaker Ohio State team. That's great, um, in my opinion, at least. But um, I, I, success, yes. Did he get the overall job done of returning Michigan to its glory days? No, I don't think so. So I think the fans are leaving with him. If he leaves, I think their understanding would be my guess because they know, first of all, I mean, he kind of dealt with a lot of crap over the last few years. Prior to this year, there were so many people writing on the Michigan message boards. This guy needs to be canned. He's never going to be a success, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And he really, I mean, what they did this year was very impressive. He returned them. He brought them back to an elite level. And they competed for a national championship for the first time in what had been far too long. Um, I think the fans, the ones I've talked to, I'm here in the Midwest, so I don't know how many how many Michigan fans do you know, Garrett? Two. <laughs> Two? Okay. Are they what – what do you think they would say? I don't know, man. Um... The guys I know are – they're like – they – some – may not have been in on Harbaugh initially and maybe they bought in later. Some were with him the whole time. And the consensus that I gather from my Michigan friends is, all right, like this really stinks for us. We understand it. We're not unhappy with him. And we're overall happy with what he did here. Garrett. Hey, did I? Oh, okay. So Garrett just, uh, we lost him again. He's probably going to come back in in a second. Um, we'll probably only have a couple more segments here before we wrap up. 
So thank you to everyone who's been joining us here on Twitter and Facebook. Okay, Garrett is back. That was weird. She called again. She called again, man. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Well, we'll, we'll, we will. I'll let you comment on this, and then I got one more thing for you after that, and we can. All right. You can call her back. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um. I. I think I think there are a lot, maybe not the majority, but I think there are a lot of Michigan fans that look at Harbaugh in the same light that all fans looked at. Okay, uh, you cut it out a little bit there. Auburn fans look. I can't hear you. I cannot hear you. You're muted. You're on mute. Still muted. It says that you're, here. Wait, I can. I might be able to fix. Oh, you're unmuted Jack. now. Yes, I can hear you. Okay, he's all right. <laughs> so we're running into a little bit of difficulties here. Hopefully, uh, we get this straightened out. We'll probably wrap this up pretty soon. Uh, again, thank you to everyone for tuning in. Okay, so you you were on mute. You had muted your mic and then you unmuted it. Said Jack, and then you left. Yeah. So she called again. Sorry. <laughs> Golly, man. Um, but. Yeah, and then I couldn't hear anything you were saying, so I left and joined back on. But um, yeah, like Auburn fans and Malzahn, basically is what I was trying to say. Like there are a lot of Auburn fans that, even though Malzahn did a lot of great things, they just got tired of it. Of the overall, the progression in the program at Auburn wasn't to the extent that the fans wanted it to be. You know, my whole family's Auburn fans; they all felt that same way. They just got tired of it, and I would think over time, yeah. Michigan got to the college football playoff and competed for the national championship. But, you know, that was four years later than the plan was to be or however many years later. And I just think there are a lot of fans that are like, okay, like we've been kind of stagnant with this guy for a while. Yeah, we've had ups. Yeah, we've had downs. But, you know, let's maybe it's time for a fresh face kind of thing. Um, that's just what I think. I have no idea. I would think that there are definitely some Michigan fans like that. But, Maybe they were happy with him. I'm not, I don't know. All right. Two more things. And then you're going to call Quinn back. And she probably doesn't have great feelings about me at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry about it, man. (laughs) Okay. So uh, that's pretty much it for football in terms of the big news. Obviously we had some coaching changes, um, but nothing super significant that we need to mention an hour and a half in. Uh, one more sports thing, and then I do have a bachelorette question for you, and then we can wrap things up. So, MLB Hall of Fame. David Ortiz gets into the hall. He tested positive for uh, some illegal substance. We don't know which one, but he did test positive back in 2003, I want to say. And then uh, he's the only person to get into the Hall of Fame. Did people just forget that David Ortiz probably used steroids? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, he, he's he's a great player, but he's not someone that broke records. He's not a big enough name like Barry Bonds was, or uh, you know, you could put, you know, Ortiz was big too, but I, I I wouldn't put him on the same level as someone like Roger Clemens either. Um, oh yeah, but oh, okay. To be clear, Garrett believes any if you use steroids, you should be in. Based off your career. So, like, the, I think right. the argument and what I was telling our mutual friend John um, yeah. about Barry Bonds is that you can't just look at the player as just Barry Bonds, the player. You got to look at the fielding aspect, the hitting aspect, you know, power hitting aspect, everything. 
And Barry Bonds had six gold gloves. So if not accepting Barry Bonds, you know, steroids don't have any impact on having a gold glove, in my opinion. You know, so there's some people that say, oh, well, he ran faster. It's like, okay, well, I'm not going to make the argument that he was that he got every gold glove because of steroids. Just like in my opinion, you know, sure, steroids are going to help you hit a ball farther distance. They're not going to help you hit a ball, period. You still have to have the mechanics. You have to have the experience. You have to have, you know, the know-how. You have to be very talented in order to do that. But if you're going to make the argument, sure, then I'm, I'm just going to say, hey, well, Barry Bonds had six gold gloves. So for that reason, he should be in the hall of steroids or no steroids. Um, well, I think he, by the way, I, I have to look up what year he got the gold gloves. That was like a different Barry Bonds player because – Early in his career, he was a speedier guy. He was a leaner guy. He had like a higher voice and then clearly took something and hulked up. Um, his last gold glove was in well, his first one. Gosh, let me get this. First one was in 1990. His last one was 1998. Um, so I guess he still had one where he had probably. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So he hadn't. <laughs> the last in that era, the most home runs he hit in a season, I think, was 46. And then all of a sudden, uh, he gets very large. And we <laughs> 49, 73, 46, 45, 45. Okay. But continue. Yeah. But then even. So I was just saying, but the gold glove stuff, not anything that has to do with steroids, is what I was saying. Yeah. And, His natural but... ability. Yeah, and so why why would they justify, you know, if it was, doesn't matter who it was, anyone with six gold gloves deserves to be in the hall, in my opinion. He's someone that had a tremendous impact on the field. Um, and I think that enough shows, in my opinion, that he should be in the hall. I think, again, you know, even with, you know, if you don't want to recognize his home run statistics, fine but you do need to recognize that he was a great overall ball player and he had a, he was dangerous at the plate before steroids. He was definitely dangerous during steroids, but that's because he was a great quality hitter, even in his pre steroid skinnier era. Um, and I think that's someone that should be in the hall of fame. And I think because um, big Poppy didn't have, he didn't have any career breaking records. I don't think he's considered in the same light as someone like Barry Bonds, but you know, a lot of people, I guarantee you, you saying that, you know, a lot of people probably have no idea that big poppy even took steroids or was tested positive for anything. Cause it just wasn't a big story because of the type of player he was. I think the thing that happened and uh, just to touch on the poppy thing for whatever reason, maybe it's that that he came along a little after those guys. That's one thing. Um, it didn't stick to him. Like it'll be really interesting to see what happens with A Rod because A Rod was suspended twice mm-hmm. for, for his PED usage, and I, you know it's it, people have different ways they approach this. Some people would say, "Hey, if you never got caught." then why should you not be in? If you get caught, then you shouldn't be in. Um, and then you could make the argument, like you can't give someone a speeding ticket because 
you know, like, like I've sped in a car before. I've done it. I I was first ticketed for it this past summer. It wasn't the first time I had sped, but you can't pull me over and give me a speeding ticket saying, oh yeah, I know you've sped at some point, Like you actually have to catch these guys. There's an argument and there's credence to that. For me, I think the way that I always have looked at it is, um, well, I guess I'll come back to the poppy thing for a second before we change the subject. But the thing with big poppy, he was able to market himself and because of when he played and, and it, it didn't stick to him. He never tested positive again. There wasn't for whatever reason, he was kind of the, maybe it's cause he wasn't a Yankee and he beat the Yankees and on an iconic team. Like, People just forgot that he used it. And so my rationale has actually been if there's a suspicion, if there's a link, I would not vote for that guy because I think that it is. I don't think it's ethical. I don't think it's fair to the guys who have the natural ability, who don't want to put their livers and their bodies in jeopardy. Um, I do think that these guys were still rewarded. They were still celebrated. They just don't need to necessarily have a bust in the Hall of Fame. And you can tell baseball history without having their bust in the Hall of Fame. It's still as a museum. Now, here's the thing, Garrett. I actually, though, so that's been my position for the last 10 years, right? Well, now that Big Poppy's in, Bond should be in. Clemens should be in. Because now you're setting a standard of you have a guy who got caught these other guys didn't even get caught. And like you said, he was an inferior player to them. Like you, you can't just, it's not, it's ridiculous to me that those guys bonds, Clemens and many others are not going to be in the hall of fame. At least at this time, we'll see what the veterans committee does. And yet you have someone who legitimately tested positive get in that's that's where i actually so i if i had to vote i wouldn't have voted for bonds clemens poppy there are a number of guys on the ballot that i actually really like like jeff kent i think that billy wagner was a great player uh kurt schilling we'll talk about kurt schilling in a second but i mean there are a a lot of guys i would have voted for well now that the standard has been set that you know what we are gonna let those guys in well let's let them all in yeah, I also think too is that you're, you're you're picking out, you know, you're highlighting a couple guys in an era when way more than a couple of people took this stuff. And if if someone can give me an exact number on who exactly are the percentage of players that are known to take this stuff, then maybe my stance will change. But it's kind of like my feelings with uh, Lance Armstrong, the Tour de France. I mean, everyone juiced. Everybody did. There's documentaries on it. Because he had to, because other people had to juice in order to keep up with the field. And there's I a would, significant. I would not say that everybody did, but I. And Tour degree... de France? Oh, I'm saying for baseball, sorry. No, no. Tour de France, like everybody juiced. Yeah. But because Lance got caught, even though it's widely known in the cycling world that everyone juiced, they strip him of all these titles. You know, I'm not saying everyone juiced in baseball, but I would guess that back then having there not really being a lot of statistics on it, there was a pretty large majority, maybe not majority, but a pretty large group of players that did do it. 
And unless there's some type of data that can say, okay, this is the percentage of players that juice. This is the percentage of players that didn't. This is the percentage that got popped one time, so on and so forth. I just don't think you can just blindly label guys not being able to enter the hall when in that era, it was a very common thing, not justifying it. But if that's what a lot of players did, um, that's what a lot of players did. You know, it's, I think the whole thing has been muddied because the great players from that era who had zero link, zero suspicion, they're not getting in either. Like Fred McGriff had almost 500 homers, the crime dog, one of people, America's favorite, most likable players. He was a great player and he doesn't get in. So Mm -hmm. it's just, I think the whole thing now is they've really kind of shot themselves in the foot with the credibility of this hall of fame the greater example for me, it goes beyond the Bonds and the Clemens. It's Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling last year, 285 Hall of Fame votes, which was 71%. This year, he only got 231 votes. So he lost 54 votes from one year, from his ninth year on the ballot to his final year on the ballot. And the trend for everybody is to gain votes generally from year to year. Kurt Schilling should be in the Hall of Fame. It's it's insane to me that he's 100%. Not. 100%. He should be. I mean, again, he was on that he was on one of the best teams of all time. And he was man, he was probably one of the if not the leader, definitely one of the top 2 or 3 on that team. And, you know, that, of course, that's not going to get you in the Hall by itself, but just his career prior to that. I mean, it's I can't believe he's not in. Um, I didn't know the stats about the numbers, but, and we'll see. Well, nobody had a problem. They'd say like, oh, he's got character issues. And it's like, no one had a problem with his character when he played. It's just when he started yeah. using social media and getting his views out there, then it became yeah. an issue. That's right. That's right. Um, and then, okay. Is there anything else you want to add on this baseball thing? Cause I know you got to run here. No, man, not really. Okay, I got a question about The Bachelorette. I was really curious. I was thinking about this earlier. The two-on-one date you go on with uh, Luke P. What happened? Tell the story. Were you trying to get him to hit you? Were you trying to get him kicked off the show? Were you just having fun with him? Yeah, I realized kind of as the season progressed that like, you know, I'm the personality where I'm going to confront you, but I feel like you're being a jerk. And I, in return, I expect people to do that to me because I'm very stubborn. Like I, I sometimes I need to be told that like, Hey, like you shouldn't have responded that way. Like I, I, it helps me for people to tell me. Um, but I realized as the season progressed, I, when I called him out and I stayed calm, he got very angry. So I was like, all right, I'm going to rile him up. <laughs> and I was actually trying to get him to hit me because it's a, it's a, you know, zero tolerance policy when it comes to fighting. And I thought he was, but, um, yeah, good thing he didn't cause he's a big dude. <laughs> um, and you know, all that worked out for the best in the end. <laughs> so, um, I'm just curious what that feeling is like going on a two on one date. Like that has to be one of the most awkward experiences in your life, right? Yeah. Um, it was awkward, but mainly it's such a mental game at that point. You know, you, you know, I was looking at Luke and your mind drifts to, okay, well, this guy's like, 
really buff and really jacked and I'm not, but you got to keep just, you know, I was just telling myself like, Hey, like I'm here for a reason. I bring something to the table that he doesn't, you know, I just got to focus on that. All right. Very cool. Well, I did mention to Jordan when he came on here uh, last summer, I said that I think fighting should be allowed on reality television. Yeah, it should be. I like, oh, you man, should that'd be nuts. Mutual combat on the bachelorette. If, if two guys want to go put some boxing gloves on, step into the ring, let them do it. It'd, it'd be sign, great. Television. Sign a waiver. Yep. Sign a waiver and just let them get after it. Are you on board for that? I'm on board, man. I'm on board. Maybe we'd start watching the show again if that happened. Nah, I want it. <laughs> no chance. All right. All right, Garrett. So uh, plug the projects and the stuff you've got, uh, everything you're working on right now. You're killing it with the golf shop. Tell people how they can get some stuff from your golf shop, how they can get in touch with you if they want some lessons. And uh, you mentioned you have something else in the works. So I turn it over to you. And uh, get everyone on board with everything you're working on right now. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, at R Garrett P is my Instagram name. Golf shop I'm a part of is at Pebblehurst. And I have a golf instruction page on Instagram. If you want some tips and tricks about the game, it's uh, at Pebblehurst Instructor. And there'll be a YouTube coming later on down the line, probably sometime later on this year, hopefully shooting for summertime. Uh, but just stay tuned for that. All right. That's it. Nothing else. Nothing else, man. Nothing All else. Right. Well, Garrett, thank you so much for coming by. This was great, as always. Uh, I'm going to wrap things up here real quick. So, uh, guys, make sure you follow Garrett. That's R Garrett P at R Garrett P. Okay. That's it. That's it. Ray is his first name. That's people it. know that? Did I out you? No, a lot of people know it. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty funny, man. <laughs> this is real name is Ray. So at R Garrett P on Instagram, he's not on Twitter. Make sure you guys follow him and uh, make sure you guys subscribe to the Jack Vita show. We'll be back next week for more content. Uh, again, hoping to have a former NFL player here on the show. And this guy is very accomplished. He was an all pro. Um, so if we don't get him next week, we'll get him at some point later this year, but I won't give his name out quite yet until we have it booked um and until then however guys i'm jack vita bring in the dancing lobsters <laughs>